Hello, and welcome to the Stupid Sequels Podcast, where we find truly terrible movies and give them all the attention they don't deserve. Each episode, we'll discuss exactly what made such a horrible sequel, from casting to budget to just plain bad writing. While we all love a great movie, there's something just a little more fun about watching a seriously stupid sequel. Now, while there are plenty of awful sequels out there, we have a few guidelines about the kind of movies we'll be reviewing here. We're talking about direct-to-video, made-for-TV, never-appeared-in-a-theater sequels. The ones the studios gave up on before they even started. This week, my guests are Joe Rosenblum and Lars Householder of The First Podcast, and we will be discussing the Star Wars Holiday Special, the sequel to Star Wars A New Hope. Hello, guys. Hey. Thank you for uh, allowing us to be on your podcast. Well, I had a lot of fun being on your episode of the first podcast doing Troll 2, the worst not-sequel I've covered in podcast form. Yeah, we have another one coming up soon for you with a movie called Shark Exorcist, which... Um... Shark Exorcist trips over itself and quickly spirals into one of the most apathetic, embarrassing, unfunny, inept, and shoddy attempts at filmmaking. Shark Exorcist is a... I don't actually know. This isn't a film. This is a mashup of different scenes that have very little to do with one another. Shark Exorcist. Shark Exorcist. Yes. I've never wanted to regurgitate more than watching this film. Which makes Troll 2 look like a really good movie, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that once we do that episode with you in the future. Yes, and also hilariously, have you seen how like the new adorable Troll movies have worked so hard to make sure the sequel is not named Troll 2? Well, it's Trolls 2, right? With an S. But it's not even Trolls 2. It's like Trolls, the worldwide tour experience. Like the word 2 is nowhere in their title. Oh, or they're purpose. just they're just trying to avoid the stigma. They don't want people to yeah. accidentally okay. Google like Troll 2 thinking that's it. Yeah. Exactly. All right, so we are covering one of the most notorious, I would say, well-known sequels in that like there are no legal copies of it that exist in the world. Yeah, I think if it was If you have uh, seen this, you have seen a bootleg. Uh, yeah, I think it was aired once and then they tried really hard to forget about it and it didn't work too well because yeah. it's just like the on the first episode of the first podcast we discussed something called the Streisand effect where it's like if people try to bury something and George Lucas really wanted to bury this uh, people just ca- get curious about what they're missing and exactly. I think that applies here I think uh, morbid curiosity drives a lot of fans to check this out even though they know what they're in for they know it's going to be shit. They know, oh, sorry, I don't know if we can cuss on this show. Oh, go ahead. Oh, okay. They know it's going to pe- be a piece of <laughs> shit. They get 33% <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes, which is surprising. But, yeah. Like One out of three people liked it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and it, the original got, like, New Hope got 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. So you're like, it's only a 60% difference, which feels like not disparate well, enough the audience, only between the quality of the two movies. I would not. It's a little bit less. Oh, by the way, let's. Uh, speaking of thirty-three percent and nineteen percent, and you know, dis- the difference between the qualities here. What what would you guys actually give the movie? Um, out of let's know. say out of hundred, about as much effort as they put into it. You know. Uh, yeah. That sounds that sounds fair. I would give it a five out of a hundred, and we can talk about why. I guess as as yeah. it goes. So just running through 
the uh, the nuts and bolts of the movies. Uh, the original came out in 1977 with a budget of 11 million, and it made 775 million at box office. The sequel came out in 1978, so less than a year later, and had a budget budget of one million dollars, which is just insane. Like you can't do anything for a million dollars, especially in the sci-fi universe, especially, especially in Southern California. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it was filmed in Southern California, Joe. I don't know. I don't know if that applies here. I'm just talking it about the real estate in prices. A studio in Burbank. It was. Yep. Huh. So they got most of the returning cast. They got you know Harrison Ford as Han Solo, Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca, Mark Hamill as Luke, Carrie Fisher as Leia, Anthony Daniels as C-3PO, James Earl Jones as Darth Vader. This is actually the first time he was credited as the voice of Vader. Uh, in the first movie, it was just like the guy who uh, is inside the suit, not the actual voice. So this was the first time James Earl Jones actually got credit for being Vader. And there's a weird thing where it says like an R2-D2 as R2-D2, which people thought was like a really mean burn on, you know, Kenny Baker, who is inside the metal suit. But he just straight up was like, "Mm, I'm not coming. And it's (laughs) just remote controlled for the special. Yeah, I I hear Han Solo also uh, didn't want to show up, but they finally convinced him to. And I think it shows... They they were all pretty much strongly coerced into doing this. Yeah. Because it was very much a time where, like, a TV special was, like, a career killer. So the, you know, they're like, I've done Star Wars. I'm so important. Holiday special? What? It, it just, they all thought it would kill their careers. Um, well, it didn't kill their careers, but I, I don't necessarily think that that's, that was unwise of them to feel that way. I mean... This thing very well could have had it been better publicized and, you know, more widely mocked. It's it's almost kind of half secret in a way. Yeah. And I think because it existed in, you know, 1977, where it was only the handful of people who watched it live and the 10 people with their VHS tapes slowly distributing it throughout the country. Whereas I think if this had come out in 2018, it could have murdered an entire new franchise. Yes, for sure. Um, so Alec Guinness is in it, but only in uh, archive footage from the first movie. So he didn't shoot anything new. There's a lot of archive footage that they just kind of reused. Yeah. And then it's just the oddest assortment of cast members who are only in the holiday special, which is like B. Arthur, Art Carney, Diana Carroll, Jefferson Starship, Harvey Norman. It's just the weirdest like, oh, yes, kids who like Space movies, they'll enjoy B. Arthur as a lonely cantina owner. I It's such bizarre casting. Yeah, there's a lot of weird, random characters that you'll never hear from again and uh, don't really belong there and don't really do anything of consequence and are mostly just television actors in universe. In the intro for the movie, when they're introducing all these characters at the beginning, it's like now this character, now the son, now the grandpa, now like now the wife Wookie. Now Lumpy, like, the who son. Who the hell are all these people? And why is there a, a a movie about them? Like literally like as they were like showing all of their faces, I was just like come on knock on our door. Like it just felt like every like 70s like sitcom intro, like it was mm-hmm. like this is yeah. so not Star Wars. And it's offensive to Star Wars to be honest. Like I'm not like a huge dork about that kind of stuff, but it's it's re it's if if this was considered canon it would be just dreadful for the series and it's it's kind of uh an argument within the you know fan community of whether it is or is not canon within the universe 
because George Lucas said it wasn't, but now with the extended universe being altered with the new trilogy coming out, it is canon because they mentioned Life Day and the new novelization. So it's it lives in this weird limbo between being canon and non-canon. The good news is I don't think there's anything in this hunk of piece of shit that actually matters canon-wise. Like, it doesn't doesn't change much. I mean, except maybe that Chewbacca has a family and isn't a loner like Han Solo, but it doesn't really change much except to inform his character. Yeah. Uh, So obviously the original, it's directed and written by George Lucas. The music is by John Williams. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's transcendent. We all are better people for having having experienced it. Mm. This movie was apparently sponsored by General Motors. People (laughs) building transportation to serve people. Oh yeah, Joe. We wanted to talk about that for a second, which is that depending on which which version of this you track down, you might get the one that has just the movie. I I say that with great hesitation, or you might get the one that actually has the commercials from that era left in it. Oh, uh, the ones with the commercials are just perfect. I, I did not I watch that one, and I kind of wish I did. But it's kind of interesting. I kind of feel like me and Joe will have different uh, out, different experiences to talk about i think joe said that he enjoyed the commercials much more than the movie well i was almost tempted to because i was watching the movie last night and it was kind of late so i was kind of tempted to fast forward through the commercials but i didn't want to because that was the the only good part i mean i think in some ways it informs it informs the special because you know obviously the original movie is made in the 70s and there are 70s things that slip into it but it's supposed to be in the future and when you watch like the 70s commercials and the 70s sitcom and lead into the special, you're like, oh, this is not a long, long time ago, but somehow also in the future. This is the 70s. Yeah, it's a time So I piece. feel like it kind of it kind of fits it all together a little bit more. So I think maybe Joe may have had a better time than I did. I've seen this <laughs> before uh, many, many years ago. And boy, it's uh, it's it was uh, you forget a lot of how bad it is. Like you think maybe, oh, this wasn't. Well, this was just kind of like a budget TV production, and then you actually watch it for five minutes, and then the Wookiees start screaming, and they kind of never stop. Yeah. That's basically the entire plot. Like, uh, the entire movie, if you really boil it down, is mostly just Wookiees screaming, and mostly a child Wookiee screaming the entire time, just shrieking for just (laughs) several minutes. Uh, Wookiee named Lumpy. Yeah, and it turns out, I think his name is actually, um, I, I, I think they retconned those names um, for later releases. Like, apparently his name yeah. is actually Lumpawaru. Yeah, they say that, like, oh no, Itchy and Lumpy and Lala are all nicknames. That's not their actual names. Don't be ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, how, how Which, dare yeah, we take responsibility? Which, yeah, I guess we call Chewbacca Chewy. Yeah. Yeah, why, so. would it, why wouldn't a, a Wookiee have a name that it can't pronounce? True. Um, so, I mean, part of the part of the problem with the movie is the director had uh, David Acumba, who only did a couple of the scenes, had never done TV before or worked with a multi-camera setup. Like he was used to, you do it one time from a perfect angle, and then you do it again from a perfect angle, and then you do it again. Like the idea of him of you shoot one scene from four different cameras to get all the things you need, he had never done before. So he only did the Jefferson Starship and the Diane Carroll softcore porn singer. And then he's like, I hate this, I quit. Um, <laughs> and Steve Binder stepped in. 
Yeah. And if you look at the writers, it's all people from like variety shows. It's Bruce Valanche, it's Pat Prophet, it's Leonard Rips. It's Bruce Valanche was involved with this. Oh, of course yes, he, he was. was. <laughs> I suspect that makes so much sense. We're going to have a lot to say about the softcore VR porn thing. Oh yeah, I that... suspect that's going to be like the chestnut of the episode. It's it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful pearl at the center of this oyster. Oh, I liked it. Well, <laughs> I said it's a pearl. Everything I like about this movie, by the way, though, is I like it, but then I realize, like, oh, but it doesn't belong here at all. It belongs in no. a much better production. By the way, the audience has no idea what we're talking about. We should actually talk about the plot. Well, just a oh. uh, couple more things. Okay. Um, just fun, you know, fun stuff leading into it. It is the 40th anniversary of it coming out. It came out in November. Uh, so a couple days oh, ago was the anniversary. For ah. Good for it. I know. I'm so proud. And I love, like, even the things online are like, the Star Wars holiday special, which you can find nowhere. Definitely don't go to YouTube and <laughs> type it in and find it everywhere. It anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's on YouTube. It's just the commercialist one. And so, it, like I said, it was only ever released through bootlegs. There's no release of it anywhere. You cannot pay money for it if you if you tried. And pretty much George Lucas's only involvement with, with the special was he went, what if we had, like, a Christmas special about Wookiees? Yeah. And he handed the director kind of the handbook on like, this is how Wookiees live. And then he peaced out. In a 1970s inspired modern apartment. Yeah. With strangely futuristic looking monitors. Like, I'm pretty sure there's like a 24 inch Asus in that apartment. And it's the one I have. Yeah. And I mean, even like they were like, obviously, you can take all of the costumes and props, but they didn't teach them how to use them correctly. So half of the props are being held upside down. Any of the aliens in the cantina have to have oxygen fed into those latex masks, which they didn't know. So they just had actors passing out left and right. Yeah. Like, so even the things that they did have going for them, which was, you know, this, these amazing original costumes weren't used correctly. Like apparently Carrie Fisher walked on set and they were like, oh, here's your lay costume. And she's like, well, where's my belt? Because this outfit comes with a belt. And they're like, no, it doesn't. She's like, I think I know it comes with a belt and she had to like go home and find a belt that kind of matched and put it on. That's weird. It, it was doomed from the start. Um, and the way that they got uh, Carrie Fisher to do the DVD commentary for the special editions, they threatened if she told George Lucas, she would only do it if she got a copy of the holiday special. And that's how she got her copy. And she said she would put it on when she was hosting parties at her house and people wouldn't leave. People would leave. <laughs> yeah, she'd get. That's how she'd empty the house. Oh my that's God. a good way that's to hilarious. do it. <laughs> I love Carrie Fisher. That's funny. Rest in peace, Carrie. Did you guys notice they were eating like human chocolate chip cookies in the Wookie scene in the kitchen? I did. Like chocolate. Wait, made out of what? Made out, out of, of humans, ball. or that they were made no. for humans? No, made for like how us humans eat chocolate chip cookies. Like, if you didn't know any better, you would think this was a treehouse for humans because it has human appliances, chocolate chip cookies. Well, weren't those the, the Wookiee Yookies? I don't know. Wasn't that, they like, act, their actual cookies? name? I don't know. No idea. It was out of place. No, it's true. No, yeah, they're actually called Wookiee Yookies. They're, they're oh native Just to Just zero Kashyyyk. effort put in at any turn. Why not call them Cookie Wookiees? Well, yeah, because no, all names suck for this. There's no way to name them. Like, they, they couldn't just do something better. Why not call them chocolate wocklets? <laughs> why not just call them cookies and leave it at that? Like, you don't have to have a cutesy name. Well, or why not call them... 
Because it's a because isn't it Wookiees eating them? Like, wouldn't it have a Wookiee name? Like no, that they that would pronounce. How do Wookiees pronounce this stuff? Or by the way, intelligence. How does Chewbacca pronounce Chewbacca? Can't like Chewbacca. <laughs> I mean, probably not. <laughs> and what I find hysterical, there were subtitles written for all of the Wookiee dialogue. No, CBS was just like, nah, we're good. That might have helped us just like a tiny bit. There were fully lines and dialogue written, but because we only have it in bootleg form, we will never know what they were. Kind of makes sense because in the intro scene, it's Luke talking to—I assume that's Luke—in the talking to uh, Chewbacca, and they're seemingly just conversing for like a few minutes. And yeah. there's no way to know what uh, Chewbacca is saying other than context clues from what Luke is saying, and. I did not know how old Luke was supposed to be off the bat. Like, 25, 50? Like, I can't tell. No. The they, actor they looks look 50. For like, like, such nightmares. The makeup, the face makeup was, like, visibly coming undone. This also, by the way, led me to another realization, which is that uh, the Wookiees work best as as just, like, a little bit of comic relief. They don't work well as a feature film obsession. Like they don't, no. you do not want to have four of them on screen doing everything. You want Chewbacca to show up once in a while and go, eh, like it just, you know, and then it's funny because it's because they can play off of him because everyone understands him. That's the joke. When you turn the joke into the entire movie, it's just this, this happens. I'm pretty yeah. sure the director was on acid because like everything just seems like it's either directed for an audience who's on acid or the director himself was on acid. Did you guys, do you remember there was a scene with terrible CGI of like tiny transparent people that are green, uh, that well, either green screen. We will or... get there. Yeah, let's, we we'll, let's, there. Uh, let's take this one step at a time. Oh, I thought that uh, was but pretty much every cast and crew member admitted to being on all of the cocaine. Oh my God. They're like, we're not going to lie. Everyone was on all of the coke during this movie. So it doesn't make sense to any of us. I don't think I've ever seen someone's eyes as open as Mark Hamill's were. As as Luke Skywalker, terrifyingly huge. Yeah, like he as as if he's never clothed them before. The at whole all. premise of the movie is that Han and Chewie are trying to go back to Kashyyyk, which is the Wookiee planet for Life Day, which is like Wookiee Christmas. Well, I think it's actually Wookiee Thanksgiving. Is it? Yeah, I think that's because this was timed for Thanksgiving. I think the idea was they wanted to make something associated with Thanksgiving because everything was associated with Christmas. True. I feel like that there's no way that could have been like conveyed like I don't know except for the timing of when it came out. Yeah, that's yeah, like, that's there's the There's no only way thing to know that from the movie. I don't know. Maybe I just missed it. Well, yeah, there were no like actual like oh, this is Thanksgiving on Kashyyyk. That wasn't something you have to know. Yeah. yeah. So the the opening shots, you think like, oh, this may not be bad. Like it's got a TV budget, but it's the Millennium Falcon and Han and Chewie are getting shot at. They're like, oh, we're getting in trouble again. Like, you're like, okay, it's TV budget, but it's all right. And then the first 30 seconds of the special end, and that hope goes away. Literally the first 20 minutes, nothing happens. No. By the way, most of that footage was reused from A New oh, Hope. absolutely. Like, the actual exciting parts? Not the parts where Harrison Ford is completely phoning it in for the one or two times he needs to actually mention, you know, Life Day and stuff and make it relevant. Yeah, so yeah. We, we pan in on the Wookiee treehouse painting, which somehow works in the movies, but not at all on TV, of having the painted backgrounds. Yeah. Um, 
And it's just Wookiee dialogue for four minutes straight. Just Wookiee growls for... It's so painful. We're not exaggerating. Listen to it. I mean, after the first couple Wookiee screams, it's like, I've had enough. Yeah, was like three going. seconds in, it's like, I wanted to nope out so hard. <laughs> I get I get what you're doing. I'm not in. Can we leave? And they're just like, dusting, doing dishes, making la- doing laundry. It's just like, okay, they're just living. Yeah, it's really banal minutia. It's, it's not, not Star even... Wars. It's just bookies hanging out. Yeah. They're doing relatable human things. And it's not relatable because they're goddamn Wookiees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the first thing that we get is Lumpy, which is Chewbacca's son, is like watching an alien Cirque du Soleil desktop hologram, I think is the best way to describe it. I think the idea is that it's supposedly TV. So it's just a bunch of people in weird latex costumes with feathers and tails and wings doing flips and juggling and it's dialogueless. There's no leading into it except for Lumpy sits down and pushes a button and then things start happening. My note for that part was now they're doing acrobatics. Is this Wookiee on acid? What the fuck is going on? I don't understand what the point of this segment was. By the way, it's several minutes long. It's just kind of people dancing and that's that's it. Yeah, and I mean, I think I think there's some idea around, like, a variety show set in the Star Wars universe, but they didn't attempt that. They just went, a variety show. We put costumes on them. Yeah, there's no, Star like, Wars. Star Wars references at all in this part. It's just kind of like, it's kind of like that pink elephant scene from Dumbo, but it's just, like, it's, it's not amusing. It's just there. No. At this point, it's, it's very clear in the movie there's no speech in the Chewy family, obviously, but there are a lot of human-sounding grunts that I assume are coming from the actors. Um, it doesn't sound like animals. Like it's just, It sounds like a human making grunt noises. Like, Yeah, they didn't get any of the typical Wookiee budget. <laughs> no. It's just yeah, the Wookiee budget probably was, the actors. was both way too high and way too low at the same time. Yes. And so the other thing we get is back and forth throughout the movie on the screens which are just throughout the house in every every place possible it'll just be in english or in a language it, it looked with vaguely no eastern like uh like r- vaguely russian or something ish it's like the writing on the side of the star tours like stuff at disneyland Kinda, yeah it's some i don't know what language that's it supposed felt to be lower but quality though consistent within the star wars universe um, and so, Shapes. yeah. So Lala, which is Chewie's wife, is like checking the traffic reports, and it's like no starships in the area <laughs> except Jefferson Starship. Um, ah. and they're like, man, Chewie and Han are supposed to be here. Better call Luke and R two to see why they're not here. Don't know why they're not calling Chewie and Han. Maybe they are, and they're not picking up. It's unclear because it's all in Wookiee language. That was Han in the ship in the ship with Chewie. That wasn't Luke. Correct. Yeah, that was Han. Okay, that was unclear because none of these characters got introduced. 
Or had a personality. No. Luke is, is the one with R2-D2 fixing the X-Wing. Right. That makes sense. When he randomly combusts and it like explodes for no reason. Just the and then he has whole to, room fills with smoke. And then he has to fix it. And there was no, and like, was engineering just bad? Like. Oh, yeah. His thing kept, like, exploding. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. I think it was to disguise that they only had one-fourth of an X-Wing prop. Like, if it's constantly shrouded in smoke, no one will realize we only actually have a shoebox-sized piece of the set. Or maybe it just, like, it actually did keep breaking down because they didn't have the budget to get, like, quality parts. I don't know. It could be it. Yeah. By the way, in this scene, aside from the cocaine bullshit, I did notice something, which I I told Joe, kind of, we were IMing back and forth while we were watching this last night. And the way that Luke acts is a lot of the characters in this movie act like like if someone hadn't watched Star Wars, <laughs> but they had kind of vaguely, they vaguely have an understanding of how these characters might act based on just their absorption of pop culture over time. Yeah. Like what they've heard. Like, oh, this is what I sh- think Luke would do. He'd have a little squabble with R2 because that's, they're so whack. I don't know. And I think that's exactly what the writers wrote for them. Yeah, maybe they hadn't actually seen the movie and they're just doing their best. I mean, there are no sci-fi writers in the in the writers' room. It's all variety show comedy writers. Mm-hmm. At one point, Luke goes to say goodbye to uh, Chewbacca, and he's like, he says something like, "Be careful!" And then he grabs him by the throat. Like, that's not what you do when you say goodbye to your friend. You don't grab them by the throat. You don't? Oh no! I no, he's literally like, "Be careful!" And like, gr- like very firmly, just grabs at his throat. Well, Joe, the, Joe, that's how you do it. Next time we hang out, I'll, I'll show you. All right. All right. It's how you show you care. Yeah. Uh, so then we kind of get to go to the Trader Sam, or it's Trader Son. Uh, and it's Son like the, Dan. It's like the trading post on the Wookiee planet, but it's run by a human? Well, yeah, uh, because, you know, obviously. Imperialization. <laughs> well, no, just, it's not obvious at all. Like, it's, it's, there's no reason for it. Just because they needed, like, that actor, I guess. A brief break in English. Don't bother explaining it either. Just do it. I am yeah. glad that it, it wasn't a Wookiee, by the way, just because he could actually talk. He's supposed to be, like, shown as, like, oh, these dumb old Wookiees, they will buy anything. But he's secretly on their side. So he's trying to sell, like, all of this basically Sky Mall crap to an Imperial Guard. What? Nothing nothing here to worry about. I'm just a simple trader selling these dumb trinkets to Wookiees. Wookiees sure are idiots, right? Oh, shit. Chewbacca's wife is calling me. I sure do have that shaggy rug that was made by Han Solo. It was yeah. made by hand. You can Solo. see what they were going for, by the, by the way. like That's quite clear. that they were, they were trying to convey a stealth message, but... I mean, it, it was delivered with a subtlety of, you know, an anvil hitting your head. So it's like it doesn't work at all. Did you guys notice what the officer said when he came in, by the way? He said, I'm off duty. I came to look around. Like, If it were me, I would just be like, no way. Get the fuck out of here. You're what? He You're said off he's duty? off duty. He came to look around. Why wouldn't he just say nothing and then let pe- let the, the store manager think that he's just a normal customer by the way i guarantee you this was the conversation uh that made it a human running the show i mean the shop somebody said it should be a wookie because it's the wookie planet and then someone else said no it's really important that we need him to speak english to convey the plot 
And then the guy said, well, we've got to explain it somehow, why it's not a Wookiee. And then he goes, no, just forget it. We'll just do it. And unfortunately, there wasn't the end of that conversation, which is like, uh, wait, why are we making this movie? Why don't we make something better or nothing at all? That would be preferable. That didn't happen. That's too bad. Nope. Makes the room look like a masterpiece. (laughs) That's hard to do. It, It really and truly is. And I just, there's like, he does this like weird, like con man, like riff through all of the items, which is supposed to be like, huh, listen to what a con artist he is. But he's yep. talking about a product that doesn't exist in our universe or there, so I don't know if it's genuinely supposed to be a good product or if it's shit. Like, I don't know, that sounds like a good product. And he's like, but those dumb Wookiees, they'll buy anything. I'm like, oh, I would have bought that if it was a real thing. I'm a dumb Wookiee. Everybody, everybody you got to go easy on them. They were all on cocaine. True. So. Well, that means they should be more productive, Joe. That doesn't mean that they should just be off their game. No, you're thinking of meth. Cocaine is a stimulant all the same. Active. They're just doing a lot more yeah. things. Just more yeah. off the walls. We get one brief shining moment of Darth Vader being like, we have to find the rebels. That's all I have to say. That was uh, archive footage as well, right? Nope. He came in and recorded that. Respect. I just know. for that. I'll get that. Like, that's one point right there. And that's Darth I Vader's that. one and only scene. I th- actually, I think I do remember seeing Darth Vader. Yeah, he was in there. I think it was right at this point, uh, based on my notes, that there was another ad for General Motors, and why not? Uh, and, and then the guy, the, the GM commercial, he talks for like one full minute, like a full minute, like long enough for you to say, like, like, I forgot what the movie was even up to at this point. Like, I don't know where we're at anymore because it was interrupted for so long. And then it ends, and you're like, okay, the movie's back. But it's not, and there's like more commercial. Joe, I'm actually kind of curious, by the way. Like, uh, did you ever? Was there ever a point where you weren't sure whether it was an ad or whether it was just some like random in-universe TV? Yes. At this point, uh, as soon as that first commercial ended, I was like, "Oh, they're back to the movie." And then I was like, "Wait, no, it's another commercial." I, I thought it was the movie, and then it, like it keeps doing that. <laughs> you're you're continuously not sure if this is another ad or the movie. Like sometimes it's easier to figure out than other times. But sometimes it's an ad for, like, a kid playing with a toy. So you're like, oh, it's, like, another another scene with uh, Scrappy-Doo or whatever. It's like those SNL commercials where you're like, is this real? Oh, no, there's Kristen Wiig. It's it's a joke. Okay. like but without the joke, like, without yeah. the humor at all. So just their, their house is so 70s. It looks like the Bradys live there. It's all wood paneling, shag carpeting. Uh, the only yeah. things that make it at all Star Wars is Lumpy's room because he has, like, Star Wars-esque toys. Like, he has, like, not a rocking horse. It's a rocking bantha. And he doesn't have, like, a toy plane. He has a toy X-Wing. Like, it's only Lumpy's room. Or at Lumpy's room is the best at conveying that this exists in a different world. Yeah, for a movie that takes place not only in the future, but a completely different universe, it's very specifically 1970s Earth. Yeah, it's not in the future, though, remember? It's, it's, uh... Well, it's oh, a long time no. ago, but in a, dis- a different galaxy where technology is much further ahead. Yes. And also, I think it's worth noting that one of the commercials in the movie is for Star Wars toys. It's for, like, action figures. Like it That was, was a real the- commercial. Yeah. That was a commercial that must have existed for Star Wars. Not this movie, Star Wars, 
not like oh buy our action figures from the holiday special just like the first star wars uh and they were just shamelessly plugging it in the in this in this movie's commercials which seemed very odd they pretty much admit the reason they made this holiday special is because they're like we're trying to keep a 1970s attention span which is fueled by cocaine we should drop in a holiday special before the next movie comes out so they don't forget us and they should have just let there be a two-year gap between movies yeah they would have been better off yeah, yeah. but per, you know hindsight is 2020 it's uh, at this point the star wars universe was not really established so to be fair you kind of have to take a look at it from that perspective where you know they've had one movie that turned out to be a wild success and they want a future for it, but they're just, you know, they're just high on cocaine. Yes. And they so, were coked out of their gourds. Yep. So the next, like, variety show in universe thing we get is, like, a cooking show, which is still Art Carney. It's the guy who played Trader Son, but in blackface for no particular reason. Well, kind of creepy-ass-looking guy. blackface, yeah. It, it's just, like... I mean, there's no, it's just black, like brown skin, giant red lips, giant hair, and it's a cooking show. It's offensive, but in space. And I mean, it, yeah, that's, she's cooking with two arms and then a third arm emerges and then a fourth arm emerges and Chewbacca's wife is trying to follow and she gets too confused and she's like, I hate this. This is dumb. Which I'm like, that's about how I feel about this movie. Oh, also, can I, can I, can I say something about why this scene is particularly bullshit? Okay. So, okay. So the entire, it's all garbage obviously just on the surface but also you think if it, this was some like holiday special that was supposed to entertain like a family that the recipe would at least be something that you could use but it's just like all exotic ingredients that we have no reference for in the real world she's just saying like well now you put in some bantha butt and then you, you get a little gurgan root or whatever i don't know like it's completely useless to the audience like it doesn't mean anything to you at all What's no. the point? Well, when the wife Wookiee turns off the modern looking TV in frustration, it um it just made me think like, you know, d like don't worry, like it's fine. This whole world was obviously meant for humans from the <laughs> cooking show to the 2018 looking monitors uh well, in the humans 70s. with four arms though. Yeah, apparently. Well, it was not it this is not a world for Wookies. Why did they need to like whip and Nene at the same yeah. time? Like you had to do like a ton of different things just to keep the dish. It was like a soup, right? Yeah, it was like bantha stew. I can't imagine that with like like a complicated stirring method is necessary. No, not at all. And like the fact that the wife tuned in and was like, "Oh damn it, I don't have enough arms for this recipe." I'm like, "Isn't this what happens every time you watch this show, though?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because she know. knows to tune into it, so she she's probably used to the struggle. But she just can't take it right now. She's too worried about her husband. Mm -hmm. She's done. This uh, cooking show on the Wookiee planet is obviously meant for Wookiees, unless it's from like some like interdimensional TV thing, and it's not specifically meant for Wookiees. I don't know, but wouldn't you think it would be a Wookiee cooking then for the Wookiees to follow along? Not this uh, three or four armed monster. Yeah, they could have called it uh, Wooking with Cookie. I mean, uh, Cooking with Wookies. Yeah. Yeah. Or Wooking, or cook Cookie Wooking. But that's no. It's amazing, and we should have a Star Wars podcast that's about cooking called, called Cookie Wooking with Cookie. Cooking with Wookies. 
Could, yeah. Not like to prepare the Wookiee for consumption. Well, no. maybe for the holiday special. Yeah. Maybe we'll prepare like a nice based Wookiee for like the Soylent Brown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Soylent. <laughs> you have to pick out the fur. <laughs> okay. Soylent Brown is. Um, oh God. <laughs> everyone do your their best Wookiee noise. Just do it now. Listeners, all of you, just do it. It's inside you. Let it out. I can't do it too well. Wow, Lars, that was really good. That was amazing. You like sound like Peter Mayhew. Can you do it again, Lars? Yeah. Oh my god, Lars, that was impeccable. Top drawer indeed. Top drawer. Just Top incredible. Top so then- noises. We get another bright shining moment, which is more archive footage from the first movie, which is Han and Chewie fighting more stormtroopers being like, damn it, we can't hold them off. How are we going to get through this? I don't know. And then the scene just ends with no conclusion or like yeah. any kind of satisfaction. Say, I don't remember that scene. And uh, now I vaguely do. But it, it uh, was because it was completely out of place and there was no resolution, nor was it needed. for it. So like it never comes up again. Like nothing in your mind makes you reference this well, scene. Think, it's just... think like a filmmaker here, Joe. I think what they were going for is suspense, I guess. Like, oh, will they survive? The problem is, number one, it's Star Wars, so you kind of assume that, yes, they're going to survive, so that's that's gone. And two, it's like, it's not well executed. Like, it doesn't feel heavy. It's just them, you know, bouncing around in a single room with archive footage sur- surrounding them. It's not... I mean, wouldn't it suck if, like, Han Solo died in the holiday special and you just, like, went to go see the next movie and you're like, wait, where's Han? What do you mean he died on his way to Life Day? What does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's, uh, it's a good thing nothing important happened in this movie that would change the Star Wars universe. No. I just remember, like, when I was watching the prequel trilogy and all of a sudden Anakin got that, like, sweet eye scar between movies and I'm like, what the fuck happened? And everyone's like, the Clone Wars. I'm like... I don't have cable. I what? <laughs> yeah, it's a bad call when you have to watch a side program just to understand what's going on in the main films. Yeah. But that's for another that's for another time. Whole other podcast. So we get a transmission throughout Kashyyyk that martial law is declared. No ships can take off or land without the Empire's approval. Uh that doesn't really seem to stop anyone. Nope. Uh because Art Carney. I, I don't remember the character's name. Art Carney's traitor character just like lands in their house like, I bought those proton packs in a, a, a little, little something for Itchy, if you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um, So they're all unwrapping their gifts, and all he says to Itchy is, this gift, it's a, it's a wow, if you know what I mean. And all it looks like is a hair dryer. Uh, <laughs> and then he puts it on, and it's Softcore VR porn. Oh, yeah. We at the VR porn part. We are at the VR porn. And literally, the director said, I wanted softcore porn that would get past the censors. That was his goal. Okay, I'm going to award another point to the movie here in that I actually didn't mind this sequence at all. Mm-mm. Just because, well, I like surreal segments of things, I like trippy visuals, but. It has no place in the movie whatsoever. Nope. There's no reason to include this. And you have to imagine 
This special was aimed at kids. So to just have this weird sexual seduction kaleidoscope porn experience in the middle, like, can you imagine how many kids were like watching it and their mom walked through? She's like, what are you watching? It's Star Wars. That is not Star Wars. I'm not an idiot. Like, yeah. And at the same time, though, it, it, uh, it does succeed, I think. Like, I think this scene was a success for apparently what they were going for, which is making G-rated pornography. Because yeah. there's nothing in it at all that is actually obscene. Pornographic. Yeah, there's nothing in it that goes beyond suggestive dialogue. And it's very vague suggestive dialogue as well. Yeah. It starts out very subtle, um, where you're like, you know, this could almost be like a VR porn. And then, like, it keeps going, and you're like, wait a second. Did she just say, like, sensual fantasy? And, like, it keeps going, and, like... It's, yeah, it's, by the way, it's clear. She keeps saying, like, a, what was his name? Um, uh, itchy. Um, well, itchy, yeah. Itchy. He, keeps, he keeps rewinding to this one section where she says, to be honest, I find you adorable. What, what she's clearly meant to say there is, you know, attractive or sexy or something, but they can't say that. Cause, so the, it's weird because the way that he reacts to the word adorable is, is it as if she's, as if she said something titillating. Yeah. They do cut back and forth to like Itchy in the VR helmet, just like shuddering and shaking in reaction to the thing she's saying. Oh yeah. And then, and then doing like a thing where he's like a cow chewing the cud with his mouth. He's like over and over. Yeah. It was very strange to watch. You pointed out uh, yesterday that she's a human in a Wookiee's VR thing. Like, does Wookiee have a thing for, like, interspecies? Yeah, does this imply that that either Wookiees or Itchy in particular are interested in humans sexually? Or is she supposed to be, like, cosplaying very lightly as a Wookiee? Or is this supposed to be what the most attractive Wookiees actually look like? Or... None of this is ex- explained at all. I just, no, but it's not just for uh, it's not for him. It's for the audience, obviously. Yeah. It is. I think so. It did I not. Think that it, yeah, it wasn't for me. But sex. I mean, elves. she says she says a couple of times like, "I'm your ultimate fantasy. I'm everything you've ever imagined." Like, so supposedly, like you put on this helmet and it like spits out your dream girl. I don't know. Maybe he's into light skinned black girls. His ultimate fantasy is G rated porn. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I guess. Who is Itchy, by the way? Is, is he, like, Chewie's dad? Yes. Okay. The song was great. Who was that? Uh, I'm just gonna, uh, I'm gonna say that again. That was, Alexa just texted me. But the song was great. Silence I, your phone, Joe. My phone is now silenced. Be a professional. All right, I'm sorry for not being a professional. Goddamn piece of shit. But the, the song part was, uh, was really enjoyable. Um... Yeah, I like that. I like that whole sequence just uh, just by itself. I didn't in in context of the movie, it's it's weird and pointless and ridiculous, but I didn't mind it like like uh, on its own. Like I actually sat there and remixed it for like thirty minutes in in a premiere after I watched the movie again because I just found that segment fascinating. It just doesn't belong at all. No, no I it mean does not belong. I have to say, there's this ongoing joke joke I don't know aesthetic throughout the movie that the tech they have is either like old or broken or doesn't work quite right so like anything they watch like skips or jumps or like shutters or repeats and loops which is just this very surreal feeling 
as you're watching it. It's it's almost as if it's like 70s TV aesthetic. And yeah. that coincidentally is also what Kashyyyk TV aesthetic was at the time. I mean, coincidence is coincidence. It's like how Doctor Who can go anywhere in the universe and he picks modern day England almost 90% of the time. It's weird. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Well, I mean, he's just, I, I feel like in that series, he's just kind of attracted to it because it seems to be like a, a center point for disaster. But but yes, it, it is very coincidental. True. Yeah. Uh, so then we get the, the one fake out the movie attempts where like Han and Chewie are like, aha, we're on Kashyyyk. We're ready to land. We're almost home. Are you ready? And then it like cuts to the house and they hear a knock on the door and you're like, ah, they're home. And they open the door and it's stormtroopers. Oh yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was really poorly executed, by the way. Yeah, just the the transition just didn't work at all. Because they straight up say we're gonna have to land on the other side of the planet and walk, so it'll take us some time. And then there's yeah. immediately a knock on the door, and it's like, oh okay, I guess Han was lying, or oh no, stormtroopers. Yeah, I really like in in movies, and I say movies without hesitation for anything else. I I have to say it with hesitation for this. Um, when they very subtly drop hints as to what's about to happen and you realize that the characters were foolish in some way and oh wow that actually does make sense that's a great twist this is not one of them no this was just again the subtlety of an anvil dropping on your head yeah and then it just goes full schindler's list where we're like we know that there are three males and one female registered in this house one adolescent like they just start like rattling off their house like we need to see your papers where's your identification why can't you search that like it just is straight like schindler's list yeah it was very very obvious parallels there as well which like yes we get it stormtroopers are nazis it's we know but just this hit it over the head uh very distractible nazis though yeah they're very dumb and like they like Oh, don't you enjoy having stormtroopers in your house, child? And he like growls and snaps at them, and they like almost backhand him. Which yeah, I'm like, this is surprisingly weird and dark for a supposedly kids' holiday special. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the tone's all over the place. I agree. Stormtrooper with Jefferson Starship. Yeah, I I watched a little bit of that. I enjoyed the song, but I skipped through most of it. I mean, it's just it's just like a full music video. That was, the, that was the hair band one. Yeah. yeah. Also, can I just say props to Jefferson Starship for being like, Jefferson Airplane, we're too old-fashioned. We should update ourselves. What should our new name be? Jefferson Starship. Oh, okay. that, they, um, they changed their name? Yep. From Airplane to Starship? Yep. Jefferson Airplane, Jefferson Starship? Yep. I think I've heard of both of them, and I never actually like put two and two together as the same thing or like even... Just they're the same thing, and they're branding. in this movie. For it's like, it would have fit if this was like an SNL holiday special where you know they have a band because that's what SNL does, but doesn't fit here, not at all. No, they were trying to do a '70s Christmas special. In in the worst way possible. I wish they would have integrated them into the movie somehow. Like that would have been cheesy, but it would have been like acceptable cheesy. True. Like. Like to have it's like have like the Harlem Glo- Globetrotters show up in Scooby Doo. That is exactly what I was about to say. Damn, yeah, that's like yeah, <laughs> like that, that's an idea. That's an example of something. It's like it's kind of corny, but it's you know everyone's like, oh, that's that's fun. This is just fun. we've accepted that level of corny. Yeah, 
But but there's no attempt to do that. It's not like, here's B. Arthur. It's like, no, no, I'm a lonely cantina owner. Uh-huh. Uh, we have come to the Boba Fett cartoon. Oh. This is the introduction of Boba Fett to the series. Yeah, yeah. People think he was introduced uh, elsewhere. This is this is, this his, is his birth. Well, not and his birth, but the character's birth, yeah. The least intimidating he is until we get to the prequels. He's very friendly. He's very... Just like, haha, I have fooled you. I'm like, did you or did you just talk? I don't... Huh? Yeah. By the way, weird weird part of that 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 comic I, or cartoon I noticed that I don't think Joe noticed is that they're on the dinosaur planet. What was the name of it? Like, Pantha, I think it was. Oh, Panna. And... There's this dinosaur that's about to eat their ship, and the dinosaur takes a bite out of the ship, which was weird. That was like, I can't imagine a dinosaur would eat a ship. No. It just seemed like very strange. It's weird because it's very much like Saturday morning cartoon, but Lumpy is watching it like, oh my god, here's where my dad is. This is why he hasn't come home yet. Like, yeah, he's Watching it as a cartoon on a screen, but reacting to it as if it's, like, breaking news. I kind of suspect, by the way, and I don't mean this insultingly whatsoever to anyone, but I kind of suspect that they were playing him as if he was had some sort of ambiguous disorder. Like, the way that he acts, it kind of makes a lot more sense. Arms flailing. Yeah, like... Like maybe there's he's that one kid in class where there's something a little bit different. I feel like I was a lot more sympathetic towards him <laughs> once I realized that. That was kind of me as a kid, Aww. not in the bad, not in a bad way. I mean, I was I was just a little different. It's all right. It's you now too, except you just have a lower voice. Yeah. I just own it now. Yeah. And I'm aware of it. Well, kind of. There's anyway. a little lumpy in all of us. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the name of the sequel to this would do that. <laughs> There's a little, There's a little lumpy almost. in my left breast. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, that got dark. <laughs> oh, we're twisted. Um jeez. Oh, uh so basically the the conceit of this cartoon skit is Han and Chewie are flying through an asteroid belt. They almost hit a rebel ship. They don't seem to be in control of the ship. Han is being hung from the ceiling by his feet. Chewie is shooting but missing on purpose. They crash land. Boba Fett rescues Han and R2 on his dinosaur. And he's like, I can take you to the Millennium Falcon. Darth Vader, they've fallen into my trap. What trap? You fully let them go. Um, yep. And there's some kind of virus on the ship that only affects humans. And you can cure by hanging a person upside down. It doesn't affect Boba Fett. I gave a point to that, by the way. Just because even on the most basic level, it was kind of like a like a kind of a curious moment that was resolved a little bit later. Like, oh, why is he hung upside down? I thought it was to oh, some weird why. call ahead to the next movie where Luke's hung upside down. Yeah. But But it's not No, I, I these are these are some of my very sparse points that I've given the movie, maybe like five or six out of a hundred points possible for a review and I would give it a point here just because this is an example and the rest of the movie struggles with this of structure and plot it gets a point because just for a second it's an actual movie where there's something interesting happening and it's resolved later where you understand what's happening 
the 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 irony here though is that it it fails to do that the rest of the time so it's just it's unsatisfying because you're like oh there could be some sort of enjoyable structure to this movie they've just chosen not to give it one and i almost wonder if they just done the whole holiday special animated and they didn't waste any money on props or sets and they just poured it all into animation and voice acting we could have had a halfway decent holiday special you know what i thought the same thing at first but then like if you look how they animate some of the characters these are not good animators um, like if you look at how Han's face just like flops around every time he talks and stuff, yeah. they don't really know what they're doing. But the plot and the writing feels closer to a Star Wars movie than anything else in the special. Well, yeah, because this is a scene from Star Wars. Yeah. Like, like just a in like in theory, like out in the universe, something's happening. This is the only part of the movie that actually has anything to do with the series. Yeah, this was not made by Lucasfilms. It was made by like an outside Canadian studio in four weeks. Like. It 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 yep. just was thrown at them. They're like, draw a cartoon about Han Solo. We don't know. Just figure it out. They should have just and stopped when they saw that the studio was Canadian. Just <laughs> hey. that was that was that was warning enough. Be nice to Canadians. Have, uh, I refuse. We have this inside joke that we don't like our Canadian listeners. I don't remember how it started. Canada sucks. I think it's mostly Lars's thing. It's mostly Joe's thing. He's just saying that. I think it's mostly Lars's thing. I have nothing against the Canadians, to be honest. Lars, what do you have against the Canadians? I, I mean, I, where to begin? Let's let's talk about that on another episode. Canadians, okay. the Stupid Sequels podcast welcomes you. So, the the one thing that the special does do is it unintentionally makes Luke and Leia look like twins because they are both drawn with no features and big eyes. Mm-hmm. So, they knew they were twins before we did. Ha ha. Yeah, although I think that was uh, that was an accident of the bad oh, in- animation. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so cut back to the real world. They're just trashing Lumpy's room. They're breaking all of his toys. They rip the head off his stuffed tauntaun. Yeah, They're that was such a oh. That, 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 I felt legitimately sad. Yeah, when it like the kid finds it and he's like, oh no, what? Maybe it's sick. I'll just put a blanket over it. And, and it's it like better. it's played so evil where like the stormtroopers come down they're like little boy why don't you go back to your room that should keep him busy and they just like wait for his scream of anguish and then when they hear it they're like ha 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 I'm like, oh by the way the, the character who says that should keep him busy he then proceeds to look at Mala as if it's like oh you know kids like he yes, smiles he looks like, at Lala like they're conspirators in this torturing the child play it was really strange like I think it's like they forgot who was allied, who was allied to who in that scene, completely. And they've been smashing and searching for probably the last twenty minutes of the movie, and only at this point do they say we found no evidence of ties to the rebel forces. I'm like, oh, is that why they're smashing their house? Wasn't explained. I just thought they were racist towards Wookies. Oh yeah, the whole thing is because they're they're searching the well the the uh, the Empire is searching the entire galaxy. For rebels, yes. Which is, by the way, that's a, that's like that's like, that's like the Santa Claus problem at that point because like, how are they gonna? How could they possibly have the logistics to do that? They're the Empire. But it's the entire galaxy. I mean, they do know Han Solo's best friend is a Wookiee, so going to the Wookiee planet does feel like a good move. I guess, but it's implied that they they go kind of everywhere and they're just searching yeah. aimlessly. Like I don't know. 
And they say, we registered that there are four Wookiees living here. They don't say, we know Chewbacca lives here. So they have partial registration of the Wookiee planet. Have you I guys know. noticed that in, um, what's his name, uh, Scrippy Scrap's room, um, he has a human boogie board. He's this like big little Wookiee. Uh, I'm talking about the son. Uh, jizz, Lumpy. Jism. Lumpy. Stop. <laughs> And he has this human boogie board like you would buy at Costco. And it's not even big enough for him to use. And he's That's just, just got set this... dressing. Yeah, he's just, just he's just got this human boogie board. Maybe because maybe because he's a little slow and he thought it he thought it was a Wookiee board, but it, it was actually a boogie board. Oh god. <laughs> 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 that was funnier than anything that has ever appeared in this movie though. Yes. Well, not the commercial. Did you guys laugh at all? Yeah, By the during way, the commercials. No, I mean like during the movie itself. I um, laughed at things, but not things you were supposed to laugh right, at. Right, yeah. And as far as Star Wars merchandising goes, uh, get me a rocking Tauntaun. I'd full buy one of those. Uh, with the head pre-ripped off or not? Detachable. Okay. I want to hear Lumpy's scream of anguish every time I pull the head off, though. Are you sure about that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Spiling out of control like the uh, we're just spiraling. director um, cocaine. Spiling out of control like the director on cocaine when he makes this movie. Next we go to this this weird National Geographic. Okay, it's like they say it, they realize how stupid it sounds, and they like preemptively qualify it in their own dialogue. They're like, we're going to show you life on Tatooine to show you how much Tatooine sucks because they're not under Empire rule to show you how great living in the Empire is, the rest of this dialogue will be shown without commentary so as to best immerse you in their world. Okay, that was a lot. And then it's just like kind of like B-roll of people walking around Tatooine, and then we're in the cantina. Um, uh. And it's just the cantina band, the song that we all know and love. I'll put a little clip here so y'all can jam. Oh, no, Joe's doing a great cover of it. Don't worry about it. do, 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 do. Beautiful. He's going to keep going until you tell him to stop. What the audience doesn't know is Joe did that for a full 15 minutes. We just cut it down. Uh, So we meet B. Arthur, who is playing... I don't remember her name. Akhmina or something? Oh, the bartender? Yeah. Akhmina. Oh, this scene was crazy. Oh, yeah, this scene was weird, man. Like, just... And so she's filling up people's drinks, and then a third... No, it's not Art Carney. It's the other guy, Harvey Corman. And she's uh, just... She's saying to people, like, like innocent things that you would say, like, thanks, come again, uh, I'll see you next time, stuff like that. Like, ordinary things. Yeah, and he's, like, got a flower for her, and he's like, the last time I was here, I heard those six magical words, and I knew that you loved me, too. And then you said, come back soon. I'll be waiting. And you're the one. And I, and then someone leaves and she's like, come back soon. I'll be waiting. And he just looks like utterly crushed and like lays down on the bar to weep. And uh, he, you can tell he's an alien because he's got a hole on the top of his head. And when right, he drinks he a drinks. drink, he, he pours it in the top of his head because that's so funny. That was gross. Ah, that's that was different. No, that was <sighs> gross though, too. It was... Like, really and truly gross. It wasn't necessary at all either. Like if they just made him without that weird head thing, it would have been fine, I guess. Well, not yeah. fine, but it like it wouldn't have been as bad. True. 
it was unnecessarily bad additions to the. And this is the scene where like every actor was passing out left and right because they didn't wear the costumes right. (laughs) Which is why there's so many like very tight shots of just B. Arthur and then very quick panning shots of the whole room and then back tight on B. Arthur. Um, But basically this uh, announcement goes out. They're like, there's a curfew on Tatooine. Everybody's got to go home or we'll like shoot you in the face. And B. Arthur's like, well, you heard him. You need to leave. Please leave. Did you guys Everybody. not hear the stormtroopers? It's martial law. Please leave. Okay, everyone can have one more drink and then you can leave. And they all have one more drink and she sings a sad, sad song. And then she bills it to the Empire. Yeah. Well, this, this was confusing. You mentioned like several times that there are a ton of wardrobe errors. Did they not have any pickup shots for this at all? Nope. Like, why, why wouldn't they? Because that would require any kind of effort or care being put into this project. I guess, man. Like, I feel like if I was on the staff for this, I guess I approach everything in life where I'm like, well, if I'm going to do this, I might as well make the best of it and try to come up with something good. And that's I guess the Lars that's... approach. But that's the thing. They couldn't put any of these actors in costume for longer than 15 minutes. It just, there was no time to do it because people would just pass out. So she finally sings... This whole song to them. And then it's like they didn't write the last verse because she sings the entire last verse, but it's just da 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 Yeah, I was like, the lyrics are really good. Just da 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 They're like, we'll fill this in later. Shit, we're shooting today? It reminds me of that scene in Troll 2 where they're just like going la 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 and clapping. Yep. You remember? We should we should all do our clapping again. Let's do in sync. If you don't understand that, go watch the episode where Chelsea recorded with us on our show, the first podcast. We'll put a link. It's horrendous and it's amazing, and you should all listen. You can get all of our episodes at Linktree. It's l i n k t r dot e e slash t one podcast. We won't go into a whole spiel because this is not our show. Go ahead. No. We'll get into it later. So the toy or the present that Lumpy got from the trader was an international transistor translator. And it comes with like an instructional video. But like the android who made the instructional video is malfunctioning. Yeah. And it's this like weird like I love Lucy level of physical humor where like it's trying to point to things but it like its finger falls asleep and it has to like lift up its own finger or like its mouth will fall sideways and it has to like bring it back really quick I just wanted to read this one note that I had about the last scene where she's singing to everybody um I prefer the VR porn lady (laughs) (laughs) yeah I don't know I thought that was a better song anyway getting back to the actual structure of this episode uh, no thanks to Joe I have a very specific problem with with this scene. And to be honest, it's not that I mind the aesthetic itself of having an android that's kind of malfunctioning uh, every once in a while. That that does make sense as it it seems appropriate to the to the time period of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. That's fine, I guess. But where it doesn't work in this movie, well, again, I use movie very liberally it's it's an instructional video so you kind of like i feel like if someone who was watching this would wonder is this correct information at all like it, it it doesn't seem to be competently helping me do this i feel like it'd be a very frustrating video to watch and the lead into the instructional video is 
Just so you know, the blah, blah, blah brand of androids are faulty and are not made by our company. So do not think that the quality of this android is indicative of our transistor. They should have got the VR porn lady to do it instead. Would have been it's much like better. It's like they answered the oh, questions that great. we had that were completely unimportant. Mm -hmm. What did that device do again, by the way? Um, it, it was similar to the VR porn helmet in that it lets you watch VR porn, I assume. I have no idea. It would, it could translate and transmit to any language anywhere in the universe, which Lumpy is very clever, and he, like, broadcasts on the Stormtrooper frequency, like, return to base, return to base, and he gets all the Stormtroopers to leave his house. Oh, so it was one. just a giant plot coupon was handed to him at that point. Yeah, but he's such a dumbass because he has his back to the stairs that the Stormtroopers come up, so he's, like, broadcasting over and over, like, return to base, and a Stormtrooper comes up the stairs... He looks over his shoulder, screams, the stormtrooper picks it up, smashes it down, and then is, like, leading Lumpy out the door to his doom to, like, execute him, I'm guessing? Mm -hmm. But who's at the front door, y'all? Stormtroopers! No. They made it. Oh, good. And they immediately commit murder and throw a stormtrooper off a ledge. He did. The end. Why wouldn't they? I mean, a dead stormtrooper outside your front door may raise some suspicion. It's no. not murder if the Wilhelm scream plays, though. <laughs> there is a Wilhelm scream. By the way, doesn't 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 the stormtrooper die because of a fake out? Like he didn't actually like. Doesn't the stormtrooper try try to like tackle him and it doesn't work out? It's like the most slow mo awkward fight scene. Mm -hmm. Like they let Han step around the stormtrooper to stand next to Chewie, so that the stormtrooper can lunge at Chewie so that Han can duck so that he can fall. Well, it's it's weird. The strategy, I guess, but, I mean, whatever. And then Han's like, he won't be bothering you anytime soon, and, like, kicks his gun over the edge? Like, haha, we've gotten rid of the evidence. The dead stormtrooper beneath your front door won't arouse any suspicion. Isn't it implied that they're the up in the trees or something, though? Door. No, if the gun's next to him, it was clearly an accident and not murder. Uh, well, that wouldn't hold up in court, but <laughs> I don't know. You don't know about Wookiee Court? Yeah, Maybe exactly. Maybe if there's a gun, there's no, there's no crime. Yeah, Lars, you don't know about Wookiee Court. Wookiee Court. Wookiee Court. <laughs> now for your next episode of Wookiee Court, the Judge <laughs> Wookiee is going to be seeing the two plaintiff Wookiees, Lars Wookiee and Chelsea Wookiee. Chelsea Wookiee is saying that Lars Wookiee is shot and killed her husband. Let's begin. This is a great idea, Joe, but we don't have time for it. Nope. <laughs> Moving Sorry on. to shut you down. Um, now time it's, for it's, a commercial break. It's almost done. We're so close. Mm -hmm. Um That's what I was so, thinking the whole point the whole time of the movie. Like just just a few more minutes. We're almost done. We're almost free. Mm -hmm. Uh so immediately the uh the court comes a Colin and they're like, Stormtrooper BH seven five nine nine is missing. We're gonna go looking for him. So if you know where he is better watch out and then the traitor guy's like aha it's always helpful to have id and he like pulls out a secret id and scans it in the computer and he's like imperial spy one two three four i know where the stormtrooper is he robbed this poor wookie's house and ran into the hills so don't worry about it and they're like checks out and he's like haha they think i'm on uh -huh. their side but you know i'm on yours god this movie's so stupid worry is resolved oh good Oh, that's that's so good. 
And then we get the Life Day ceremony. They straight up ran out of money, which is why there's no set. It's just black space with lights around them. Those are just candles they bought at the dollar store. They didn't have enough Wookiee costumes, so only the four main characters have actual Wookiee masks. But they didn't have the Wookiee suits for another day, which is why they put them in the brown cloaks. And all of the other Wookiees in that room are in store-bought rubber Wookiee masks, which is why the whole scene is shot through a Vaseline lens. That's why they did that? Yep. That's why all the Wookiees are in cloaks, because they couldn't afford any more Wookiee suits. Oh, is that what those red things were? Yep. I was like, who the, like, what the hell is this, like, Mm -hmm. these tiny little red action figures? I did not know what was going on. And they were, like, marching into some star that looks like Sirius B, like a bright blue star. I could not even tell what the fuck was going on. And then Leia and Han and Luke and R2 and C-3PO were there. We're like, we know this is a very sacred holiday for you Wookiees, but we're glad we could be here to celebrate with you. And then Leia sings... Happy Life Day, which is vaguely the tune of the Star Wars theme song. And apparently this is how they convinced Carrie Fisher to do the movie. She said, I'll only do it if you let me sing. I'm like, I will only do it if I don't have to sing. What? Why would this be your bargaining chip, girl? Maybe she said, well, I like maybe when she said that, she, like it was implied that in her head she thought like, oh, I meant a good song that could show off my talents. Not or maybe just, she thought, like, if I make them make me sing, they'll never make me do it. Ah, it's uh, mm-hmm. it's the... Uh, it's very the, Carrie Fisher thing. I guess this is her but, producers. I she has this like, little nice. speech about, like, peace in the universe, and then she sings her song, and then there's just, like, a montage of clips from the movie, and then they all sit down to dinner. The end. The grand conclusion of the Star Wars holiday special. Well, does it really end, or does it just kind of stop? It just stops. Yeah. Because I feel like if a movie doesn't have a plot, I feel like it just stops. It doesn't end. Things just happen, and then it stops. It's happening, and then it's not happening. I do want to say that I liked Carrie Fisher's singing a little bit. It was not bad. Just the song was awful. You know what I prefer? I got a thing for divas, Joe, I think. You know what I prefer? The VR porn song, that was a great song. It was that was okay. I was I was I was into that song. You know what, Joe? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge you on that one. I'm gonna cha- okay okay. So, so picture this: you're in an office of yep. twelve people, and 12 there's people. there's six men, six women, yep. and you've been working there for about four months, and you work there every day full time. Full time. Now let's say that you gradually over time. You start to think, oh, this one, this one female coworker is actually really hot. Oh no! But the thing is, is she really hot or is she just office hot? Is it just because she's there and she's the most attractive? What I'm saying is, is that song really the really good or is it just office good? Is it just well, like the best that it, this shit show has to offer? Okay, but I have to say, of the movies in this special, which is the Carrie Fisher song, the Cantina Sad Bar song. The softcore porn song and the Jefferson Starship song. What's your ranking from best to worst? Um, VR porn, Jefferson Starship, can uh, Carrie Fisher Cantina. Yeah, that's uh, mine. Mine is Jefferson Starship, uh, VR Lady, and I'm not gonna rate the other ones. I don't feel like they deserve a rating. Oh. 
Hey, it's my opinion too. I, I have a right to it. No. Uh, I'm gonna fill in for Lars here. Uh, he his following rankings were the same as us. Yeah. Okay, so that's great. We all uh, agree. All if you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you're gonna do me, Joe, you gotta, you gotta be a lot more masculine, a lot more, right. a lot less like, <laughs> all right, a lot less uh, hey, squeaky. It's me, Lars. It's me, Lars. I'm really macho because I have a beard that I can grow, and uh, I'm not gonna. <coughs> I'm a smoker. <coughs> I'm not gonna rank the other two because it's not manly, and I only care about men. So I feel like this is a great lead-in. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for just ignoring that, by the way, Chelsea. That, that did not. <laughs> no, I feel like this is a great, a great uh, taste of the first podcast, uh, which is how I know Tune you in. guys. Mm-hmm. Tune yeah, in there's, more. There's, it's good because there's me, and then but then there's also Joe, so it kind of evens out. So, well, so it's more like there's Joe, there's Joe. Let Chelsea. Oh, but we can can't have continue, too much dude. Joe, so we have to have Lars. Joe, shut up. Just let let Chelsea continue. <laughs> All right. I mean, I think this is feel like kind of a perfect indication, but uh, just <laughs> tell the stupid secret. <laughs> I'm gonna say that again. Uh, this is kind of a perfect indication of what you're in for. But why don't you tell my listeners a little bit about the first podcast? Uh, well, Joe, do you want to or should I? You, you can go ahead. Okay. I'll just well, interrupt if I want to say something. Okay, so I'm gonna go ahead and do do us a favor here. One, two. Three. Okay, Joe's muted on the Discord server right now, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and give the uh, just a bit of a summary. Uh, Chelsea actually did an episode with us on the first podcast where we reviewed Troll Two. It was similarly bad, but in very different ways. Uh, both of these movies really sucked, and so we had her on because she does stupid sequels. And Troll Two is not technically a sequel to the original Troll. It's a goblin movie with troll added to it for marketing purposes, I guess. Um, it's just awful. Anyway, we had her on. Our show is called The First Podcast. We are a talk show that interviews a variety of different subjects from pop stars to state senators to uh, stupid sequels podcast hosts such as Chelsea herself. Uh we actually just sat down last night to do an interview with the uh, creator of Elder Scrolls, VJ Lakshman. Yep, the actual creator of Elder Scrolls. I'm going to let Joe back in now because I kind of said also, what I needed to say. He uh, also did Spyro. Yeah. As well as, he was uh, uh, at the head of the team for Spyro, shut uh, up, no, Crash he Bandicoot, yeah. um, Skullgirls, uh, a, a number of 90s games as well. He actually what was. that other one besides Spyro? Uh, Skullgirls, Crash Bandicoot. Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, a couple others. I'm playing the Reignited Trilogy right now. Oh, well, in some way, you have him to thank. Like, he, he played did, a big part um, of that. Thank you. He did Lord of the Rings Online. Yeah, he was just the guy for that. Um, he, he just, he did it. Basically, what you're saying is, I'm the most interesting guest that's ever been on your podcast. Uh, yeah, uh, sure, I'll let you, <laughs> it's, it's your podcast, I'll let you get away with that. Top 20. Top oh, 20 for there's sure. less than 20 episodes, aren't there? Well, there's less than 20 guests, so that's kind of <laughs> maybe an insult, Joe. We don't like to rank our guests, but I would say that out of all of the episodes we've done regarding stupid sequels, you are the best that we've Chelsea, ever had. I would had say on. of all of the guests that we've had on our show, you were one of them. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, mm-hmm. all of my episodes with two guests, this is the best one. Thank you. How many have you had like that? 
So the <laughs> um six or seven. So, uh, this would be one. Oh, she was if trying you to, move to donate on, to our Patreon. It's oh, Patreon. Dude, dude, we can't plug our Patreon right now, dude. That's... I know that's Come why on. I did. That's why I did it as a joke. Actually, you know what, dude? We're, we um, Chelsea, do you have a Patreon? I do. I do have a Patreon. Um, there are all sorts of levels. There's the thank you for being here level. Uh, there's the level that gets you access to our bonus episodes where we cover things that don't quite fit in with our normal rules, where we cover sequels of musicals or TV adaptations of your favorite uh, movies. And one of the levels includes unedited versions of our episode. And I have to say this episode based on what we've recorded, we're going to edit so much out. You're going to want to pay for the unedited version. Mm-hmm. Um, but check it out. You, you can also make requests there for movies you really want to see. Um, so if there's a movie that you're dying for me to do and I just haven't done it, there's a way to make it happen. And it's money. Uh-huh. And also, I love you guys. By the way, um, th- this episode will probably have a little bit of first co- podcast flavor because I'm going to be taking over editing duties for it just this Thank one time. You. The editing style on our show is a bit different than Chelsea's. It's it it, it Chelsea does use clips, um, interspersed with the actual episode, so that's something you'll be used to. We're a little bit more zany with it, but I'm gonna try to keep it on point for her show. It's gonna be fun because usually it's it's me or Francis, so we're gonna throw a little more flavor on it. Who the hell is Francis? Uh, so yeah, who huh? the hell is Francis? He's our he's our producer. Be nice. He did like oh. our second. No, episode. we're just asking who he is. Like, yeah, we were just asking yeah. who the fuck that <laughs> is. Even. Is he uh, here so right now? We're not being up, rude or anything. We're just trying here? to find out who the fuck is Francis. <laughs> Joe, <laughs> who is who? Uh, is he here? No. Oh, okay. Because you guys are covering it. Um, ah. But real quick to to wrap us up and get us out the door because I know we all have places to be and things to do. Let's drop our. Favorite quote from the original movie, New Hope, and our favorite slash just the worst quote from the sequel. For me, uh, I'm entirely original, and my favorite quote from the original is Han talking about Leia, which is... Every girl wants to hear that about her. That was uh that yeah that was the some of the first indication that Harrison Ford was gonna have an amazingly charismatic role as Han Solo, where he hates women but only because he likes them. Uh, and my favorite quote from the sequel: "This holiday is yours, but we all share with you the hope that this day brings us closer to freedom and to harmony and to peace. No matter how different we appear." the same in our struggle against the powers of evil and darkness. I hope that this day will always be a day of joy in which we can reconfirm our dedication and our courage and more than anything else, our love for one another. This is the promise of the tree of life. It's just so cheesy and so out of universe. I just, I love it. And I miss Carrie Fisher. Joe, what about you? Oh, um... Let me see. I didn't write down a quote from the original. All right, so Joe Joe's not on point. I'll go ahead and take over. God damn it, Joe. Oh, wait, okay. I have one. It's from Han Solo. Wonderful girl. Either I'm going to kill her <laughs> or I'm beginning <laughs> to like her. That's, Screw you. That's a good way to describe Joe's just latching onto other people's ideas because he doesn't have any of his own. Oh, actually, I changed it. My favorite quote is this. 
People building transportation to serve people. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it was going to be General Motors. General Motors. Oh, God damn it. All right, Lars. Wrap us up. Okay. What you got? Wrap it and tap it, Lars. Come on. C-3PO says to R2-D2. Don't you call me a mindless philosopher, you overweight glob of grease. That is a fresh one. My favorite quote. Favorite is, I don't know. My, my The most amusing one to me was I'll tell you a secret I find you adorable I'll tell you a secret I find you adorable I find you adorable I find you adorable This is said by the VR porn lady and so much uh VR porn. Itchy proceeds to to rewind the sequence like 5 times because apparently it's the the horniest thing he's ever heard and I oh. think that kind of sums up the entire movie where, where you have a Wookiee watching G-rated VR porn and rewinding it over and over again and smacking his lips like a cow. I'm going to watch this movie on repeat. Well, one of do the it. scenes. <laughs> we know what Joe's going to do tonight. You know there's slutty, slutty fan fiction of that VR porn somewhere in the universe. Oh, thank God. I just have to find it. Uh, So where can people find... The first podcast on social media. Okay, so if you guys are on social media, uh, shut up, Joe. If you want to find (laughs) us on social media, we all of our links, including both our social media and links to our show on all the major audio platforms, as well as our Patreon, which is by the way, patreon.com slash T1 podcast. It's on our link tree, which Chelsea, if you don't have, I highly recommend getting at some point. It's really useful. Um, Link tree. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash T1 podcast if you want to check out our show. I'll also have Chelsea include a link to the episode that we recorded with her for our show, which yeah, was... Yeah, if you check out the description of this episode, yep. I'll put uh, their link tree and also a link to the episode I did with their podcast. It's called Straight Outta Nailbog, um... and it's, uh, it's a funny one. We're also going to be recording an episode with Chelsea once again. She's going to be a repeat guest in which we're going to review a movie called Shark Exorcist, which I can easily say without a shred of hesitation whatsoever that it is the absolute worst movie I have ever seen. Just by I have to far. rewatch this movie because we had already watched it once because we were going to talk about it. And the next day came and somebody mentioned it and I had not even recalled that we had watched it the day before. So it left so little of an impression. I didn't even remember Let's not the talk following about why, because I want to talk about that on the episode. But yeah, it is the worst movie I, I have ever seen. Forward to it. Yeah. So thanks so much for joining us uh, for our holiday, Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, winter solstice special. Shamalama ding dong. Anything else you celebrate? Uh, Happy Hanukkah. We look forward to seeing you in the new year. Joe, Lars, thank you so much for watching this horrible, horrible movie with me. Thank you uh, for joining us and for letting us I object us to calling it a movie, but yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, that wraps up the episode of the Stupid Sequels podcast. So All right. see you around, guys. Later on the men, Jay. Thanks so much for listening to the Stupid Sequels podcast. Please subscribe and review so everyone can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter at StupidSequels2 or email us at stupidsequelspodcast at gmail.com. Every episode is made possible by our sound engineer, Francis Gacod. 
Our logo was designed by Nicole Wiseman at Wiseshots, and you can find me online at Callie Blair on Twitter and pretty much everywhere else. And remember, even though these movies are stupid, deep down, we really love them.